Well, good morning. How are you doing? So good to be back here at Asbury Seminary. Asbury Seminary is home from home for me and Kelsey. This is where we spent the majority of our marriage. So we're just so thankful to be able to be back here. Uh, we know it's hard for people once they leave this place to be able to come back. So we just wanted to spend as much time as we could for graduation here and spend time with our friends and our family members, because I do see you as family members in one way or another. So thank you so much for allowing us to be here. I just want to say thank you to a couple of people. I want to say thank you to Virginia McNutt for coming to Oxford, Mississippi, of all places, uh, having pizza with us at Old Venice. Um, I didn't know that life, my life was going to change in that way. My wife's life was going to change in that way. And it brought us here. And This is where we became uh, disciples. This is where we really became disciples. This was another stop along the way in our sanctification towards one another and towards uh, the world. So thank you so much for that, VA. Uh, I want to say thank you to my faculty members and uh, staff. Um, one way or another, you have been a part of my discipleship, whether I took your class or not. Um, so I thank you so much for the encouragement to continue to do well. I also thank you for the grace and the correction when I was wrong as well. So thank you so much for that. And to my classmates, uh, I just want to thank you guys for your love. You guys made it easy for us to live in a different space uh, than we're used to. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for being genuine uh, and treating us well while we were here. Um, so one way or another, you're all a part of my discipleship. So thank you. Thank you for that. I was trying to think of what we were going to uh, talk about today. And I came to John chapter 17, and I came to this place because I knew that we were going to have graduating disciples, and I know that there's disciples coming down the pipeline too. So uh, I thought it would be great to be able to talk about words that Jesus prayed over you. Words that Jesus prayed over you before he would go to a cross and die in perfect obedience to God's will. These are God's words to you, not just to the 12 that were around him, but to the disciples coming down the pipeline in that generation and in every generation. These are the words that Jesus is praying over your life. If I'm being honest, if it was my uh, prayer before going to the cross, it would probably be a little bit more narcissistic. Uh, I would probably have a lot more my and I and me, mine. But Jesus prays for others. Jesus is focused on his disciples. And why do I believe that? Because Jesus sees a legacy of missionaries. Jesus sees a legacy of messengers, people who have a good news, a reason to praise God, a message that we're, we need to be giving to the world that is around us, a message that God loves us to death and beyond death to resurrection, a message that God has purchased our freedom when we couldn't do it ourselves. These are all good news. We have a good news to share. We can't keep it to ourselves, and we have to give it to the world that is around us. And when Jesus says in the scripture, thank you for reading that, Jackie. When Jesus says in the scripture, all who will believe, I really believe that the plan is for all people. Though all people may not believe, we're supposed to go everywhere. We're supposed to be connecting with all churches, working together for the sake of the gospel. The part that really stood out to me is in verse 20. It says, through their message. Through their message. Through our message. I kind of thought it was strange. I would have felt like Jesus would have said, your message, God, uh, is your truth, not ours. 
But God says through Jesus, their message. Folks, we have a life. We have a testimony of how good God has been to us. We have a testimony of how God's interaction with God has changed our lives. How the most excellent way of Jesus has made our way more excellent. We have something to celebrate. We have good news to be sharing to people. And whether we like it or not, we, the church, send a message to the world through the way that we live this life. It's kind of like parenting. Uh, I'm going to be a parent soon. Kelsey's going to be a parent soon. Um, <laughs> um, for, for us, we're learning a lot about parenting. Like, There's a lot of things that our kid will see that may not be our finest moments. There may be some times where we don't want you to learn that message from us, right? We weren't our most healthy selves in those moments. But there's also healthy moments too, right? There's also moments where we perfectly love each other. We're loving each other the way that we should. And that goes for the church at large. We have healthy versions of ourselves. We have unhealthy versions of ourselves too. And whether we like it or not, the world sees our message. The world sees our message through the way that we live this life. My question to you is, what is your message? What is the message that you're sending to the world out here? Because one way or another, we're sending a message. What is the message that Jesus is praying over us and beyond us? Jesus is praying for our oneness. Jesus is praying for our oneness. The unifying truth of Jesus is to sanctify us for God's purposes, and that unity is vital for the mission of God. It's vital. There's a message to the world in our oneness, but there's also a message to the world in our disunity. What kind of message do you think it sends to the world with segregated Sundays? What kind of message does it send to a world that through the first Adam, Every principle of creation moved from unity to disunity. And through the second and superior Adam and Jesus, that now we've become one, but somehow we kind of limit that message of oneness to the words, to a pulpit. I think we could do better. I think we can do better. And that's what this sermon is today. It's an invitation into a new way of thinking, but it's also a challenge because we know the instructions. We know Jesus' perfect teachings to us. And I just want to bring all of us back to that place. This doesn't mean that I'm doing it well. I'm just saying we're all in this together, right? The goal was never um, annual community events together, right? You know which ones I'm talking about. The once a year, the once a year annual events together. It's a good start. But somehow, we have a habit of turning good starts into the finish line, right? It's not the goal. The goal was always for us all to be one, just as the Father and the Son are one together. That was the goal. Use your imagination for a moment. Can you imagine what God and Jesus, being one through the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, looks like? I'm kind of coming back to... Um, Dr. Stamp's sacramental theology class, we read uh, James Torrance uh, during that class. And in that book, Torrance paints a picture of the Godhead being a community of mutual self-giving. 
each giving God's self to one another freely and humbly, even if it means losing a little power, position, or privilege. God has given, God has given so much to us. And in my limited language and imagination, and it is limited, that is the extent to which we're supposed to be one. That is what we're supposed to look like to this world, a unity that reflects the eternal oneness of God. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. And this is the question that we should start asking more. Why is it that we only believe that we could be one in holy marriage? Why is it that we don't believe that oneness can happen between churches, between people groups, between political parties? That's all the rage right now. Why is it that we can't be one with one another? What is keeping us from doing that? And I think that oftentimes we focus so much on why we can't instead of actually working towards why we can. Scripture has told us why we can. There's more to be done. There's more movement that we can make. It's going to happen. It can happen right now. Not just as a reality of heaven, because Jesus is coming back in final victory. Amen. Let's turn up for that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Heaven on earth, man. Heaven on earth, I believe is possible if we get out of our own way. If we stop thinking about what other cultures are thinking about us, the truth really is, is that they're thinking the same thing. So if we're thinking the same thing about each other, we definitely can't spend time with one another. We can't live and do life together like we should. We can do better. Jesus prayed earlier in this prayer, protect us from the evil one. And that didn't just mean physically. That meant spiritually. Spiritually, because I believe that the enemy knows what happens when we come together. I think the enemy knows that unity does not lead to our destruction. It lives to life together. It leads to more understanding. It leads to more humility, more empathy. We learn more about each other in those moments. We assume the worst sometimes about each other. And it keeps us from living the way that we know that we can together. So my question to you is, how do we accomplish this? Why is it, why is it that we keep leaning more towards competition with one another instead of serving God with one another? Why is it that we spend more time being suspicious of each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ, than actually trusting them? We lack exposure. We would rather, it's easier for us to read something about a community than to be with them. We can do this, y'all. I promise you, we can do this. Jesus has promised that we can do this together. We can. And we don't just have to rely on doing a Google search about what's the best way to ask a tough question of a culture that's different from us. We can do this. We can talk to people. I think we can have a conversation, don't you? There's more to come. We can stop using outdated and incomplete information. Spend some time with someone. 
change our conclusions about each other and move forward. I just want to share a little story about what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi right now. I've been there for a year and a half now, and when I got there, there was a cohort of pastors that were already meeting together. These were pastors all over Jackson, white, black, Latino, every cultural difference you can think of. We were in that space together, and it started because there were two co-pastors, a white pastor and a black pastor, that were in a multicultural church plant. And they believed God when God said that we're better together. And they started taking their relationships and their connections and they started networking and they started bringing missional organizations in the same room with one another who didn't even know they were doing the same thing. Churches that were in the same neighborhood that didn't know that they were serving at the same middle school And it was through that collaboration, it was through being in the same space and hearing some hard truths from one another that we came together. I'm not going to lie to you, it was hard. It was difficult at the beginning. It was uncomfortable. It was unpredictable. But we did it. And we're doing that now. And we're probably still not doing it the best. We still probably have a long way to go to be able to stop having our egos in a way. But we're trying, we're working towards that, and I'm seeing it happen. Folks, I'm talking to you today because I don't want you to leave this place and just go and maintain a status quo of a homogenous church. I don't. We know better. We know what God's mission says. We don't have to settle for just going after people that look just like us or collaborating with people that are in our same denomination. One thing that Asbury Seminary has taught me is that there is a lot for me to learn from different denominations. How many denominations do we have again? Over 90, okay. Over 90 denominations represented in our student body. 43 countries represented in our student body. But here's the thing, folks. We can do that here because it's easy. It's easier, I'm going to say that. But what about once we leave this place? What about for the places where it's harder? Are we not called to have unity like we have in this chapel this morning? There. I think we can have it. I think we can work towards it. I believe that the corporate sanctification of God's people is going to be a message to the world. I believe that. I believe that our movement towards unity is going to send a bigger message than any of our mistakes as pastors, as missionaries, any of those mistakes will ever ever send to the world. God is working in all of us towards oneness. You may not have noticed it, but it's happening in small ways. God is working us towards that so that once we leave this place, then we can go and take a little bit of Asbury there. We have so much to be able to bring to this world, y'all. I believe as the love of Christ is being perfected among God's people, the world is watching. The world is watching to see how we're going to live with one another. 
It's more than just these disciples, 12. But it's on down the line, legacies of messengers. And Jesus is praying for our oneness, that we will be able to come together. When Jesus is praying, I take his words as a promise. I take it as a promise. If we are one, then the world will believe our message. Why don't we believe that? What keeps us from believing that? If we are one, then the world will believe our message. If we believe that, it'll be a priority for us. Whatever churches we're going to, whatever missional organizations we're going to, we will work towards unity. We will work towards a culture change within that church. We will serve people that don't look like us. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but we should be doing it. If it's a priority, then pastors and missionaries and educators will all come together and combine our efforts from behind our positions of influence with our very lives. And those sermons that we've spoken will start to match the way that we live this life because the world is watching and our doing needs love. What I love about this is that Jesus has shown us the way, the most excellent way. Jesus has shown us God's glory, the, the beauty and greatness of God's perfect love. And that is the love that binds us all together. That is the love that binds us all together. It's the love that's described in John 15 when it says, remain in my love. As the Father and I are one, you be one. Mutual self-giving. That unity is going to cost us something, y'all. It may cost us a little bit of power. Maybe we might not be able to control how events go going forward. But trust people a little bit more. Maybe it means whatever privilege that we have in the neighborhoods and the people that we're serving, <clears throat> that we're taking people to neighborhoods that don't look like them. We have the opportunity to be one and to be unified and to collaborate. So as I close, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with this. I want to just say, even though the world is watching us, for good or for bad, even though the world is looking for an objection, don't give them one. Don't give them one. Wherever you're going, whatever context you're going to, remember God's love. Remember what God's love looks like in action. It's not always in the most peaceful spaces. But take it everywhere even in the places where it's most difficult. The world is watching to see if our lives are going to line up with our Bibles. So I challenge you because we can do this together. Amen. <laughs> we can do this together. And many of you already are. And some of you still, it's uncomfortable. But that's okay. That is okay. We're complex people, complicated people, serving complicated people. Right? I mean, I'm okay with saying that. Um, 
but it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be unpredictable. At least at first, it's going to be that way. But don't let it keep you from living the message of unity in full view of a world that thinks that we lack credibility. Don't do it. The unity that Jesus is praying for gives our message credibility. It does. And that's a promise that if we're one, the world will believe. So don't leave this place maintaining the status quo. Disrupt a couple of things. Um, I'm not saying burn anything. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm just saying make change in culture. Whatever culture you're going to, you have the power, you have the power of God behind you, in you, and other people there. Serve God together. Change communities. You can restore communities if we collaborate a little bit more. See how people are already working together in the same space, not knowing it. Teach our communities to reach out to all people. And make allowance for faults, because they're going to happen. Chances are is that you're going to offend somebody and somebody's going to offend you. Are you strong enough to face the truth together, ask for forgiveness, and move forward together? I think we give up on each other way too easy. I say all this because I believe we can do it. We could do this together. I'm looking out in this place and I see people who are about to graduate people who are still in the pipeline. I just want to tell you, we can do this. I mean, that's not in Jesus' prayer here, but it translates to, we can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us. We can do this. And the world will see that the Father sent Jesus and that God loves them as much as Jesus, if they believe. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we thank you so much that you're a God that hopes for all things, endures all things. So Father, I pray that today we will have the strength and courage to endure when people offend us, endure the history between cultures, and hope for a better future. Father, I pray that when we live together in full sight of the world, that they will see our message and they will see that our message is that we are together in you and that you, Jesus, have been sent by the Father so that the world will know. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.